Hello there, this is Robert Fleming, one of the partners in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. With me is Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, the other partner. We are talking about elder law issues here on this podcast called very cleverly. I think we really did a bang up job of naming the podcast Elder Law Issues. But I'm not elderly, Robert. I just want to make sure our listeners <laughs> understand that. Neither 39, was I. 39 years young. <laughs> Neither was I when we first named the newsletters from which we take our name. But that's another story for another day. <laughs> uh, let's talk about transient clients, Elizabeth. Mm. People who we prepare a state plan you know we could do a whole session and we probably have about people who move here from another state and do they need to do updated arizona documents but let's go the reverse direction we've done estate planning documents um i suppose we'd have a whole nother conversation about guardianship and conservatorship but let's just restrict it to a client of ours for whom we have done all the relevant documents maybe we've created a trust We've certainly done powers of attorney, both healthcare and financial. We certainly have done a will. If it's a husband and wife or a married couple, um, we've probably done somewhat reciprocal documents. Um, now they're going to move to, actually, this question comes from a listener who says Montana. And I don't think he knew I was born in Montana, but I like it. So let's have our, our clients move to Montana. Usually it's kind of the reverse as in my own case. But hey, sometimes people move to Montana. They just love the big sky. What is that? What effect is that going to have on the estate plan that we put together for them? Well, I think the first thing, Robert, is for folks just to be reminded that if you're going to create an estate plan that is valid in the, in the state where it was created, it's going to be a valid estate plan wherever you move. So one of the common myths is you know, Elizabeth, uh, we just finished doing estate planning with you here in Arizona. We are going to pick up and move to Timbuktu. Well, um, hang on. Let's not literally send them to Timbuktu because although your observation is correct, if they go to Timbuktu or Dubai or Singapore, we have a little harder time saying it's absolutely correct. Okay. So we'll talk about Montana then. Yeah. Um, I think it's there might be a town in Montana called Timbuktu. I think that it's important for folks to understand your documents are still going to be valid. The question is, is how will they be interpreted? And what law will govern the interpretation of, of the provisions in the documents? And so it's actually quite an academic exercise as we talk to people about moving and what happens when they've got an estate plan written in one state and they move to another state. It gets more complicated when you look at questions around things like community property. You know, my husband and I, we bought a piece of property here in Arizona. We own it as community property. Now we're going to sell it, and now we're going to be moving to a state where it's a separate property state. It's not a community property state. Like Montana. Like Montana. So what does that mean for our estate plan? Well, one of the big questions is, are you still going to be owning property here in Arizona? Will there still be any ties to the state where your estate plan was created? Does it make sense in some cases for people to continue holding property, holding title to property in one state in a different fashion than they may hold property in another state? I think that's a critical question, Robert. So I think my my long-winded answer is 
There are a lot of factors to consider. If you have a valid estate plan in one state, it will be valid in another state, but how it will be interpreted is another question. And so what's important to remember is if you're moving from a community property state like Arizona to a separate property state like Montana, you're not going to go to Montana and say, you know, my wife and I are just about to buy a piece of real estate. We'd like to own it as community property. That's just not an option. Not a choice in Montana. Correct. And so one thing is you can't take the things that you like from one state to another state. Well, you know, let me disagree a little bit. You can to this extent. Personal property doesn't have a situs like, Mm -hmm. like real property. So just because you have always owned your home as community property in Arizona and you moved to Montana, you don't get to overcome the laws of Montana. They just don't recognize community property. But... Your brokerage account and your bank account in the Arizona bank might be community property, even while you're living in Montana. Um, In a general way, there's a a small advantage, an income tax advantage, to couples owning their property as community property. There is, it needs to be said, a giant disadvantage if, in fact, property comes from separate resources. If, If, in fact, you've only been married a short time and you brought a lot more money into the marriage than than your spouse did, there might be a disadvantage to transferring things to community property. But there's a assuming that you're not going to get divorced and assuming particularly that you really do own half each of all the assets, usually there's an advantage to the community property designation. So you could move to Montana, leave your brokerage account at Schwab or Merrill Lynch or wherever it is, as community property and um, and and buy a new house in Montana that isn't community property necessarily. Right, Robert. And, and so I tell people who are moving from a community property state to a separate property state, one big difference that we see around estate planning is in separate property states, a lot of times a, a couple will have each have their own trust. Husband may have his own trust, wife may have her own trust. Um, This is not an uncommon way to plan in separate property states at all, but folks need to anticipate that, like I said a few minutes ago, you can't really expect the same rules to apply if you if they're the ones that you want, you know, you're going to have to land in the state where you land and follow those rules. So asking an estate planner in Montana, please create a joint revocable trust that is governed by community property rules. Well, they're, they're going to scratch their heads and wonder what planet you're from. Oh, Arizona, that's the planet you're from. And one thing that I will tell people is, is there may be a real advantage if you have more recently updated your estate plans to coordinating with your existing estate planner to set a consultation up with an estate planner in the state where you're moving or where you've just moved to just have a conversation around your documents. If this move is going to be a year or less and it's essentially kind of a hop, skip, and a jump, maybe what needs to be done is updated powers of attorney. Maybe going through the process of doing a whole new trust, whole new wills, maybe that's not something that has to be done right away. And so I really like it, Robert, when our clients include us in those conversations and we're able to all kind of scratch our heads and say, all right, well, you know, we've got this joint revocable trust governed by rules of community property here in Arizona. Uh, clients still own property in Arizona. Does it make sense to create some different kind of estate plan for them 
that that may incorporate the Arizona plans by reference in the sense that you know maybe you've got separate property trusts in Montana and you continue to have an Arizona trust. I mean, the the possibilities are endless, but um, it is pretty academic discussion. It does seem to me that there are two critically important things to to make people understand. One is as you cross the Utah Arizona border on your way to Montana your Arizona estate plan does not become invalid. I actually had clients come to me once. I said, have you done a a will or trust before? And they said, oh yeah, but that was in New Jersey, so it doesn't exist anymore. Well, a contraire. Your 25-year-old New Jersey will is still your last will, even though you thought that it was invalid as soon as you got to Arizona. Same thing in reverse. When you get to Montana, you still have a valid estate plan. And the second really important principle I want to make sure people hear and understand is no matter what else is true, you ought to talk to a lawyer in Montana when you get there. It's not the first thing you need to do. You need to get a house bought or rented and you need to get your stuff moved. You need to get your job going. But pretty early in the process, you want to have a conversation with a lawyer there, not so much because Montana and Arizona law are so different, but because the mere fact that you have moved a thousand miles away means your life has changed. And we want you to come back to see us even if you don't leave Arizona, if your life changes that much. If you move, change jobs, have new kids, kids grow up and move out, kids do badly or do well, um, your mother who you left some money to has died, all sorts of life changes mean we want you to come back to see us. Well, if one of those life changes is you've moved to Montana, we want you to go see a Montana lawyer. And then, Elizabeth, I completely agree. It'd be great to have a combined conversation with that Montana lawyer and you to just touch all the bases. Well, Robert, this is fun. (laughs) And uh, what town in Montana are you going to move to? Whitefish. Whitefish. Oh, that's not a bad choice. That's not where I'm from. It's not far from where my grandmother was from, though. And with that, I think we can wrap up. Oh, no, you know what? There is something else I want to touch on. Same person who asked us that question uh, asked us a question about an assertion we made in an earlier podcast about your power of attorney being the most important document you, you, uh, you can sign. And he said, but wait, if you do a living trust, your power of attorney is really kind of unimportant. And, you know, that's correct, Uh, except that you still do need to transfer assets into the trust and you still do need to have somebody sign tax returns. But um, if if you have created a living trust, then I'm going to kind of shift and say your health care power of attorney may be the most important document in your estate planning collection. And I'm going to disagree. Okay. I'm sticking, sticking with my original comment. I think your durable financial power of attorney, I think if you said to me, Elizabeth, you have one estate planning document that you can create right now. Well, I agree with you. But if you've already done a trust, <laughs> that changes the mix a little bit. Yeah, let's arm wrestle, Robert. Yeah, okay. So this is, uh, this is pinhead angel dancing that we're doing now. And that's a good place to end. So I'm Robert Fleming. I've been arguing with Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, as we so often do here on Elder Law Issues, the weekly podcast of Fleming and Curdy PLC, a Tucson, Arizona elder law firm. And um, please join us for our next discussion slash argument slash love fest. <laughs>